0: Yeah, Lord, we say open up your word. Come, just bring revelation, bring truth, bring blessing, bring freedom. Just as we stay like this, I'm just going to read the passage that I'm going to preach from tonight. If we can just, um, we'll put it up on the screen behind me. It's from Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. We're working our way through Ephesians. Let's just stay like this. I'm just going to read the passage as we go right from now. It says... And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God, we just thank you for every blessing that you give us. Oh, God, we thank you. This tells us what we were, and this tells us what you have made us. Father God, I just pray we welcome you here tonight. And as we just look at this passage and expand on this, we just pray that you will just really bless us. Father God, I'm happy just having read that, Father, and I pray that you will just give us more. Bless you, Father. Amen. Amen. Ah, oh. ah oh, I've preached myself happy already. I don't know about you guys. God's so good. And uh, I love his word. I love the fact that he speaks to me through this. If we just skip on to the next slide. Okay, this is my message this evening. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. I used to be dead and God made me better. (laughs) And and that was pretty much the message at this point. Um, If you feel you're already on board with that and... um, you just want to get to home in time for Top Gear, then please feel free. But if you want to stick around, I'm going to talk about this for 20, 30 minutes and just try and expand on that. Ah, it's nice to see you all. It's the first time I've been to evening meeting because I have small children. You guys must be evening folk. It's good. Obviously read the, have you, read the book, Good Morning Holy Spirit, and went, nah, it's not for me. No. Up to you. Anyway, that's uh, good. Ephesians two one to ten. This is one of the. I'm going to boast in this passage at the moment. This is one of the most important passages in the Bible, um, and I'm dead chuffed to be able to preach on it. When I was asked, I was so excited. I went out and bought a new commentary. I said, "Yeah, I know. Do the wave. <laughs> that's the kind of wild hedonistic life I live. I just got. Sorry, I went crazy and bought the Bible Speaks Today commentary on Ephesians. Uh, Which I highly recommend, actually. Um, And if you ever want an easily accessible uh, Bible commentary series, Bible Speaks Today series is really very good. Um, I don't work on commission. Other commentaries are available. Um, Honestly, though, it's one of the most um, rich passages of Scripture. You would struggle to find um, ten verses which has more chunks of truth just crammed into it than this one. You can get a pretty thorough doctrine of salvation from Ephesians 2 alone. And I know all the other preachers will be telling you that their their passage is the best bit, but really we know that I've landed the doozy here. This is good. Okay, if we just go on to key themes. So key themes that I want to pick out of this tonight are our pre-salvation state, i.e. how we were before God intervened in our lives, and then it talks through grace and mercy, and then talking of God's choice, his gift of salvation to us. I'm mostly going to go through the passage in order, uh, just verses 1 to 10, um, apart from uh, just a couple of verses which I'll take out of order, which don't worry, I'll I'll give you a heads up when we come to that. Okay. Uh, Obviously briefly refreshing the context of the passage, Ephesians 2 follows Ephesians 1, precedes chapters 3 through 6. Um, Ephesians was written by Paul, um, probably not to one small group or to a single congregation, but was probably actually intended to be a circular letter uh, that would have been read by churches around a large area. Um, so rather than addressing as many uh, kind of specific issues to one church, he was aiming these are really key truths that needed to be circulated amongst the early church at that time. Um, it could probably have been sent with a man, Tychicus, uh, one of Paul's co-workers, um, who also took the letter to the Colossians, if we put the map up. Um, Tychicus is mentioned at the end of Ephesians chapter 6, um, and it's likely that Paul wrote both letters in Rome, obviously in, in Italy. Um, and then Ephesus, you see up here, is on the west coast of what's modern-day Turkey, en route to Colossae. So Tychicus could have dropped it off on his way to Colossae, like some kind of epic paper round. And uh, anyway, that would be a good job, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, anyway, so chapter 1 has talked about the eternal purposes of God and then a prayer that uh, the Ephesians may have that spirit of wisdom and understanding that they may uh, know God better. And uh, you can always you could feel... Um, you could feel them almost if you if we were trying to work up a crowd ephesians in the church or something like that ephesians one would be a good way to do it you know you start off first bits of chapter one you have every blessing in christ yes it's good yeah thank you yeah cheering good and um you know you are chosen by god hey yes <laughs> you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation yeah, do the wave you used to be dead There we go. It seems a bit of a come down, doesn't it? So, um, and it feels like a bit of a come down. That start of chapter two. But you used to be dead. Um, But this is very much in keeping with the glorious message of the gospel. Okay, Um, because it shows actually just how things were before the intervention of Jesus. Okay, Paul is very much aware that in order to truly worship, we must be, uh, must know the contrast between our unsaved state. And our saved state, and our new status as adopted children of God. Uh, to put it another way, if you don't know how badly off before you were saved, you don't know how thankful to. Be. Yes, carry on. You know, down there. Uh, that was. We've achieved that with just you were dead. This is good. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there further in the passage. Okay. So, if you don't know how badly you off, badly off, you were before you were saved. You don't know how thankful to be that you are saved. And John Stott, in that commentary that I mentioned, he comments that Paul plumbs the depths of despair about man and then rises to the heights of optimism about God. This contrasts vividly what people are by their ordinary human nature with what they can become by grace. So verses 1 to 3 very much in, in so Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3, very much talk about our old nature, about what we were. And verse 4 onwards talks about what we have become and what we are called to do. Okay? So how badly off were we? Well, pretty bad, as, as it turns out. We were dead. Um, and I've spoken on this before um, and have given the idea that dead is a fairly hopeless state. Okay? When dead, there is not much that you can do to help yourself. And we note that it says dead in your sins. You were not ill in your sins, okay? Uh, you were not a bit peaky in your sins. You were not under the weather in your sins. You did not have man flu in your sins. You were dead, okay? It is not even saying that your sin had made you critically ill. Um, if we just get the video clip ready at this point, ready to go. It says, we were dead. We didn't get a say in the matter, Okay? God wasn't asking us what we could bring to the table to help in being saved. It was all down to Him. Okay, there wasn't anything we could do to intervene. Okay, so it's not like this example. If we can get the video clip, ready to roll. Bring out today. Bring out your dead, what? Uh, I'm not dead. What? Nothing. Here's your ninepence. I'm not dead. Yeah. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. I'm not. He isn't. Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better. No, you're not. You'll be stone dead in a moment. Oh, I can't take him like that. It's against regulation. I don't want to go. on the car. Oh, do baby. Oh, I can't take him. I feel fine. Well, do us a favour. I can't. Well, can you hang him around a couple of minutes? He won't be long. No, I've got to go to the Robinsons. They've lost nine today. Well, when's your next round? Thursday. I think I'll go for a walk? You're not fooling anyone, you know. Look. Isn't that something you can do? I feel happy! I feel happy! Ah, oh, oh, thanks very much. See you on Thursday. Right, right. There we go. The first e-skate use of Monty Python in a sermon. Okay. The telltale giveaway that that man wasn't dead was he was voicing an opinion as to what was happening to him. Okay, There's the link there. Okay, he wasn't expressing an opinion. Dead people are unable to do that. He was indeed not dead until he was whacked fiercely around the head. Okay, the key point is we were not able to shout out to God to help us. Okay, we were not able to bring anything to that. Okay, we were wholly dependent on Christ to act in our lives. You want an exa- another example with a more of a physical example? Okay? When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he did not turn up to the tomb and say, Lazarus, let's work together on this. Okay? He didn't ask Lazarus what he was going to contribute to that situation. Okay? And in the same way, we could not save ourselves. Okay? And at this point, is the bit where I'll take a couple of verses briefly out of order. If you skip up to verses 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Saving faith is given by God. We have no grounds for boasting other than we boast in Christ. We boast in all the glory of Christ, and we point all the glory all the credit to him okay and here we come back to that paradox um, which uh, David webster talked about when he, th- he talked on ephesians 1 and weeks ago of that paradox of you are chosen yet you have free will okay we have free will yet in actual fact there was nothing we could do to save ourselves and don't worry if you can't get your head around that i can't and you never will fully but in actual fact know that the decision that you made to follow God was a very real decision, and that was your you choosing, but that was not possible unless God chooses you first. Okay, it says, um, it says in John uh, 1 John 4 verse 19, it says, we loved. Because he, We love because he first loved us. And it very much, we have to keep it in that order. It all originates from the love of God. He loved us first. And out of that, he started to draw us to him. He warmed our hearts. He opened our eyes so that we could see, so that we could choose to follow him. That's how that goes. So if we come back down to the rest of the passage. So that's the end of verse 1. But don't worry, I am going to speed up as we go through. Um, verse 2. We used to follow, so it says, which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and you know, of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We used to follow the ways of the world and the ruler of a very different kingdom, okay, the kingdom of the air, which is the devil, okay. We belonged to a different kingdom whose heart was disobedience of God and not exal- acknowledging his lordship over all, okay. And disobedience is at the heart of the fallen nature. Going against the will of God is at the heart of that. The devil wants to see us actually not live in the blessing of God and go the opposite direction. Okay, And disobedience is at the heart of what we used to be. And I haven't fully worked it out yet, but that might be why I think somewhere deep within us, everyone gets a kick out of not doing what we're told. It's possible. 't don 't tell me you don 't get that, okay, because we all do. I mean, I get a kick out of disobeying my sat nav, okay <laughs> it says you know in a hundred yards, turn left <laughs> no, no, I know better, you stupid machine, watch me exert my independence <laughs> that's, well maybe that 's the most disobedient I am these days, in which case that 's not too bad. Um, I've had varying reactions when I've shared that story. And someone once did ask me um, if it was because it was a female voice giving directions. And, uh, and, and this is absurd. And don't stand for that. Or reject that kind of sexist nonsense. It's because it was an American accent giving me directions. That's why I did not follow it. Okay? Um, sorry, anyone from America here? Our cousins across the pond, we do love you. But you drive on the wrong side of the road. Anyway, we were disobedient. And we were in the wrong kingdom. And verse 3 goes on to say that we gratified our sinful nature as our very desires themselves weren't correctly aligned to seek eternal pleasure with God, but they were selfish and corrupted. And these are the three sources of influence that this passage neatly describes. Got the fallen world, which doesn't acknowledge God, the devil and his demons who are in opposition to him, and our own selfish, sinful nature. Okay, And this is important to bear in mind, and it does go against a lot of, obviously, modern secular thinking, which portrays the idea of the devil, an actual personal evil spirit, as just uh, silly, superstitious. That idea is much derided. Um, The Bible talks very clearly about this. Um, Not as, uh, actually... Not ever that our attention should be focused on the devil or ever that we give him too much credit or too much attention. Your eyes should always be on the Father. Um, but we are instructed to be watchful because, in fact, we have an enemy. And uh, and that's something that we actually must never neglect. To quote the film, The Usual Suspects, the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't exist. Okay? And I think that's behind a lot of, you know, I'm sure a lot of that modern secular thinking which denies any existence of that, in actual fact, just plays into his hands. Okay? Fortunately for us, we are never in his hands because we're in God's hands and God's heart. Okay? So there's one that used to be our key influence okay it's easier to acknowledge the fallen world okay probably just by watching the news really um, because in actual fact no one can doubt that there's a lot of darkness out there and although we were created all of humankind is created in god's image and bears his likeness there is not any aspect of that that was not tainted by the fall okay And in case we think that this makes us less responsible, in case we think we can just pass the buck saying this was the fault of the devil or of the fallen world, it very much lays responsibility back at our own feet for our situation before we were saved. Um, Talks about the wrong desires of our sinful nature. We are held accountable. Okay. And so the end of verse 3 describes us as objects of wrath, subject to God's divine perfect opposition to all that is sinful and impure. And I preached on wrath last year, so I'm not going to expand on that. Um, you can get it on podcast, I think. Um, it's called The Wrath of a Loving God. Um, but this is it. That's the, end of, that's the summary statement of what we were in our old nature before Christ intervened. We were objects of wrath. And uh, actually, verse 1 to 3 of this passage can be almost considered a very short summary of, of the first, chapters of, first three chapters of Romans. Um, or at least particular 1 verse 18 uh, through to 3 verse 20. Um, and I would encourage you, if you get a chance, um, read, the, read those three chapters of Romans in context with this verse, and let that actually just bring draw more truth out and give you that in more detail. So, uh, as an object of wrath, what did I contribute to my salvation? Well, I contributed the sin that made it necessary. Okay, that, that, that's what I brought to the table. Okay, I made it necessary to be saved. Okay, and God did everything else. And I'm so grateful. And we should be, and that's, that's how we should see this passage in terms of drawing us into worship. Because we can be so grateful that he intervened. Okay, Psalm 113 describes God as stooping down to look on creation. Okay, I'm so grateful we've got a God who stooped. Okay. He could have remained aloof, remained aloft. He could, by rights, have left me to my fate, but he stooped down for me. Okay. And he had no need to do that, and I had no right to ask it. If we just go on to the next slide. This is an album cover from the Worldwide Message Tribe for anyone that was a Christian in the early 90s. It says, We don't get what we deserve. You get a lot of people in life grumbling, don't you? Grumbling, I never get what I deserve. Well, no, you don't. And you should be thankful for that. (laughs) Okay? All right? Don't ask for fairness from a just, perfect, holy God. That will not go well for you. Okay? (laughs) Because if he gives me what I deserve, I die. Okay? (laughs) We don't get what we deserve. Anything above that, we really should consider a bonus. Okay, and um, I often help this to, for myself, partly it helps to put a bad day in perspective. I get in, it's like, ah, car won't start. Like, well, I used to be dead. <laughs> you know, on balance, I'm probably still coming out ahead. <laughs> okay, so we deserved to die, we deserved nothing else, and God stepped in to intervene. And I know that sounds extreme, um, but really, Remember, this only applies to your natural state. This is what you were. Okay. Once Jesus intervened in your life, you have all the riches of heaven. You have right standing with God and an everlasting relationship as his sons and daughters. So you've very much, this is past tense. If you are a Christian here, if you know God, this is the past tense. This is what you were. This is not what you are. And never allow worm theology to creep into your thinking. Um... If you're not familiar with the term worm theology, it's the idea that as Christians we have to be constantly groveling before God, saying that we are worthless and unrighteous. And you will hear this in some, in some places, and it's dangerous, and it's not true. Okay? We were objects of wrath once, and that's in the past. Once you are saved, God calls you sons and daughters. He says you are justified, holy, and righteous. Okay? Don't go disagreeing with him. Okay, that's a silly way to carry on. God has given you infinite worth. And you'll hear people talk about a doctrine of brokenness, okay, about coming before God as broken and needy. And we always need God, okay? We always desire God. And to come to him in the first place, to be saved, we had to acknowledge that we were broken and that we couldn't fix ourselves, okay? And we were in need of a saviour. But then the whole point is that He fixes you. You are mended. Okay? So once saved, do not go around saying how broken you are. Okay? Because it's not true. Because God has fixed you. You are mended. You are whole. Okay? God has made you whole. This doesn't mean become self reliant. Okay? It's not saved, good to go, don't need God anymore. Obviously, that's daft. We live by the Spirit and we're in internal relationship with Him. But. You are in Christ. That old broken self has gone. Don't keep harping on about how worthless you are, broken you are, when God has credited you with the status of his son. It is amazing. I like it. (laughs) Okay. So moving on to verse 4, which I think moves us on very nicely to us. As we see in verse 4 onwards. So verse 3 says, you were objects of wrath. And verse 4 says, but... And what an amazing butt that is. I'm sorry, that's an old joke. Okay. <clears throat> but because of his great love for us, right away the emphasis here is on God's love. But because of his great love, okay? see God is in the driving seat. He originates everything that we have. It is all drawn out of the love of God. Okay? But because of his great love for us. Okay, it is God who is the active person. His love made us alive with Christ. And God is rich in mercy and he makes us alive in him. And hence the title of the sermon. I used to be dead. God made me better. Okay. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. If we just skip to the side. On, yeah, good. Mercy and grace. The two terms, mercy and grace, are often used interchangeably, but um, we really need to understand them in their true meanings, because both of them apply. Mercy is God not punishing us for our sins as we did deserve, and grace is God blessing us when we don't deserve it. We are saved by mercy, we're also saved by grace. This is because God is very thorough at saving us. He doesn't do a half job. Okay? And also, when God saves you, you are not merely pulled up to neutral and then sent on your way. Okay? Even, if, even if that's all he had done, that would still be amazing. Okay? That would be incredible. Okay? That would be the greatest act of mercy ever shown in the attire of eternity. And that would still be incredible. But God goes beyond that. Okay? Your slate is first wiped clean. That's mercy. Okay? And then you are given all the riches of the kingdom. That's grace. Okay? And at this point I'd like to introduce a graph. Okay? We have a graph, good. Okay? This is my graph. I'm calling it prophetic geometry. Okay. Um, I'm no good at prophetic art. Don't ask I'm not I can't paint. I never ask me for that, but I am quite handy with a graph. Okay. And uh, and I'd like to illustrate mercy and grace by this. So if you see here, if you've got the Y axis going up there, if you consider that spiritual status, okay. With, uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, we'll find some way of getting this to you. Um, for, so, spiritual status. So your your starting point is minus 100. And we'll go in percentage terms. So you're as low as can be. You've then got mercy. The red arrow brings you back up. All that's gone. All your sin, that is, has vanished. It's dealt with. And then you've got grace that takes you upwards all the way upwards into the richness of the kingdom. Okay? He takes you up higher and higher. He seats you in heaven, as we'll come on to. Okay. Your salvation is so much more than just forgiveness. Even if it was, that would be great. But it's not just some cosmic let-off of your sins. It's adoption as family and it's infinite blessing. If prophetic geometry has really started to float your boat, we've got one other chart there. This is a pie chart. There's a pie chart here that, we, that shows the percentage credit uh, due for my salvation. Thanks. Okay. And uh, anyone that's interested in forming the prophetic geometry group, please come and talk to me afterwards. Okay. Whew, good, sorry. I've combined the grace of God and... Some slight mathematics, which so makes me very happy. Good. All right. I have well and truly lost myself. Where was I? Oh, yes. Your, <laughs> your salvation is so much more than just forgiveness. Forgiveness is amazing, but God gives us more. And the point that I'm making leads us into verses 6 to 7. <laughs> I'm just going to try and read that. aha <laughs> And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God raises us up. That line goes ever upwards because He is always raising us from one degree of glory to another. Okay? And he seats us with Jesus in the heavenly realms. You are raised from infinite onus. Up there. level, Seated with the very son of God. Oh, hallelujah. Okay. God is so good to us and he blesses us. And he's longing just to show us more and more of his grace. And he raises us in status. And being seated Uh, In the heavenly realms, that's a a sermon in itself, and I'm not going to preach on that now. You know that's preacher code for didn't prepare anything on that bit, right? Okay, so, um, (laughs) but I'd like to comment specifically on verse 7, which says, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Your salvation is God's way of him demonstrating his incomparable grace. He's chosen to show his riches and his kindness. He wants to show the universe how lavish his grace is and his generosity and his amazing love. He's chosen to do that by saving me and by saving you. He can show his goodness to the universe and to the world by saying, look what I've done for Dave. This is the Dave that the Lord has made just just so you know that's actually on the t-shirt <laughs> yeah it says this is the dave that the lord has made on the t-shirt that's good no that's prophetic stripping that's um no for the podcast no i wasn't um anyway but if you ever doubt start to doubt that god has good things in store for you remember that he has chosen you to show his glory okay and this links in very nicely if you read into chapter Ephesians 3 verse 10 um, he says that uh, God chose the church to make known his wisdom okay to the princes and powers in all of creation in the spiritual realms he chose the church to make his wisdom known this is more on an individual level he chose to demonstrate the greatness of his glory and of his love in your life okay and so, it is by his people, that, and how he saves, glorifies, and empowers them, that he shows his greatness. Okay? If you ever start to doubt the significance of your own life, please remember this verse. And remember that you are a demonstration of the glory of God. Okay? Once you were an object of wrath. But in actual fact, like I say, verses 1 to 3, that was how badly we were off by our fallen nature verses 4 through to 10, that's quite how amazing God has called us to become by his grace, and he has called you to be amazing. Okay. And he has called us to be a demonstration. If we just skip on to the, the slide of the military parade. Um, by way of illustration, um, some governments, when trying to demonstrate their power, they have a parade of their very best military equipment, their elite soldiers, you know, a show of strength of what that country can achieve, of what it can do. Or in the case of Britain, we have men with big furry hats. Okay? Um, but no, actually, they are, these are still elite troops. This is just their dress uniform. Okay? But in worldly terms, people show off their power and their strength and their might. And they do it. You know, they, they, they don't you know, throw out you know, the military reserves and the ropey units and the broken down equipment on these parades as a demonstration of power you show your very best. God shows his very best. He shows it through you. Okay. You are a demonstration of the glory of God. Okay. That's verse 7. We'll skip over verses 8 to 9, as I've talked about earlier. But I think just remember that. You are chosen by God, and he gave you saving faith. He's amazingly generous. Okay. All credit goes to him, like we say earlier. But I'd like just to come in... Uh, just to verse 10, and this leads on quite nicely from what we've been talked about, about being a demonstration of all God's glory and goodness. Okay. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay? God is a master craftsman, and we are made new, we are made perfect, we are made whole. We are all his workmanship created in Christ. Very much once again, we are in Christ. All our credit goes to him. Our status is defined as being in Christ because all that sin is hidden by his blood and all of our righteousness is because we are credited it from Jesus. And he prepares good works in advance for us to do. That's a brilliant idea, isn't it? Okay. That's an amazing concept and I used to think of it as being a bit restrictive just doing what God had planned but then I realised I was being an idiot um, because God is able to come up with much more exciting plans than I would. Have you thought? That? Just think that through. okay? Because there's that, uh, very much that idea and um, we, everyone wants to be independent and to show, actually, I make my own decisions and make my own plans. And God very much partners with you in that. Okay, He takes on board the desires of your heart. He says, I will give you the desires of your heart. And once you are saved, what you dream and what you desire is in concordance with him and his will. But in actual fact god has planned even better things than you can even dream up okay he's thought up stuff for me to do that i would never have considered in my wildest dreams okay it is part of his heart for us to have good, have us do good works things that will extend his kingdom further demonstrating all his goodness okay and the dreams that god have for, has for you are even bigger than the dreams you could ever have for yourself. This is never going to be restrictive. This is only ever going to be God taking you on a bigger adventure than you could have ever imagined. Okay? I'm going to give a brief illustration. Let me just skip to the the last slide. Um, This is just an illustration from my family. Um, I don't normally do... uh, I don't actually normally uh, give that much by way of family illustration when I'm preaching because... Most of it I consider fairly fairly private, but I felt this one was actually the right one to bring. And um, it's something that came up um, as part of our leadership team as a picture that we felt was helpful for us as a church. And so I'm going to just share that um, because we felt that it, it illustrated somewhat of the Father's heart. Um, and this is a picture of it this isn't actually the one that I built because my, my pictures didn't quite travel across I'll, I'll claim that my one was actually better than this and uh, I can show you pictures afterwards if you want but um, in the run up to Christmas I planned something for my daughter Zoe to do okay. my daughter Zoe, she's just turned four she's brilliant and she's fantastic fun and we do a lot of things together okay. and I had it in mind that together we could build a Lego nativity set Okay. each day she would get to build part of it, okay, and there would be 24 things, 24 sections of it to build, both the stable, the manger, baby Jesus, uh, Mary Joseph. Um, I had great fun in the Lego store in Blue Water, okay, I would highly recommend that, okay, and she would get to build a section of that each day. So what I did, I built it all in advance, okay, because I had to knew that it would work well, and see what it could look like. And then I took pictures of it as a whole. So I had, so I could show Zoe, this is where we're going. Okay. This is the end goal. This is the end product. And then actual fact, I took pictures of each individual component. So I had a picture of a Lego camel. Have you ever tried building a Lego camel? It was really very difficult. Okay. A picture of a Lego camel, Lego sheep, you know, Mary and Joseph. So that each day I could show Zoe, first of all, I um, could show her the, the picture of the individual components. So Zoe would then build a Lego sheep. And then I'd show her the, the bigger picture to show her where that, bit, where that sheep fitted in in the overall nativity. Okay, Because it was in my heart to prepare something fun for her. And she wouldn't have thought of doing this on her own. But I knew that she would love doing it. Okay, And actual fact, to further illustrate the fact that... Uh, God will work with your desires as well. And in actual fact, it's a, it's a partnership and a co-laboring. Uh, shortly after Christmas, had you looked at our Lego nativity, you would have seen baby Jesus being visited by shepherds, sheep, wise men, camels, and two Lego stormtroopers. Okay? Uh, so we added that in. <laughs> and that warmed my heart. <laughs> okay? So I had prepared something in advance for my my daughter to do, okay? The fact that it was my idea, she didn't think that I was a detraction in any way. She was actually really pleased that actually her dad had planned something fun to do for her that she would enjoy and that we could do together, okay? And God has prepared amazing things for us to do and he's longing to share his heart with us, He's building something amazing, better even than a Lego nativity set. I know that's hard to believe. But he is expanding his kingdom. And if we show him sorry, if we ask him, he'll show us what we are to contribute. Okay? He'll show us what the next step is, he'll break it down to show you in steps, but also he will give you glimpses of the bigger picture. And in actual fact, the more and more we go on, the more we can ask God to show us actual fact his glorious kingdom that we are all helping to build and knowing that he has got key parts of that for us all to build. He has prepared things in advance. He has prepared great works for you to do, because it's all part of his plan to build something amazing. He's drawing us ever onwards, okay? ever upwards. Okay? We are raised with Christ, and we get to be his ambassadors to the world. And he gets us to build his kingdom to work together with him, and he's longing just to share, a, share his heart with us and take us on an incredible adventure. And what I've tried to show by looking at these ten verses is that we look back at what we, are, what we were. Okay? We acknowledge the incredible saving work of God, and then we look forward because we know what God has made us by his grace. Okay, And we know we've been raised with Christ, And we're chosen to show his glory, and he has an amazing future for us. And I'd love all of us just to get to grips with that more and more. Or if you're here tonight and you don't know him, he wants to. He wants to know you. Okay? Don't worry about the stuff, you know, has he chosen me or not. If it is in your heart to know him, he will never turn you away. It says that very clearly in scripture. In actual fact, if it is in your heart to know him, he is already speaking to your heart. He is already starting to warm you to him and wanting to give you more and more of his love. He is wanting to bless you in abundance, to forgive every wrongdoing that's ever been there and to replace it with an incredible gift of his presence and his love. And most of us here already do know him, I know that. Um, But let God speak to you about what he has in store for you and about his heart for you. And just his desire to show his love and glory through you and never, ever lose sight of his amazing mercy and grace that took us, plucked us from being objects of wrath and raised us up with Jesus. Okay, I'm going to finish. Actually, that's the end of what I've got to say. But I'd love us just to respond if we can. Um, Could we can we stand? eric would you mind just playing something in the background you guys can you come up okay we're going to see, in a minute we're going to sing that's the song that um, these guys were playing at the start which when i <laughs> this one very much um, god used just to speak to me is just talking about mercy and this song really emphasizes that and uh, i love it when um, when god just speaks to us in worship in that way I'm just going to pray for us, and then, in actual fact, I'm going to hand back over to these guys um, just to lead us in this one song again. And, uh, yeah, Father God, pray that we will never lose the wonder at how amazing your mercy is. Let us never lose sight of that. Let us always keep in mind. What we were and what you saved us from, but always with amazing thankfulness that that is no longer what we are, that no longer has any grip on us, that is gone, that slate is wiped clean. Thank you for your mercy, Lord God, your amazing mercy and your wonderful grace that takes us ever upwards into the riches of your kingdom and into your presence. Father God, let this always be our song of worship. Father, we are just so grateful. Lord Jesus, we give all honour and all glory to you, all credit to you. You are the wonderful Son of God. You are our Saviour. You stooped down from your place in heaven and you saved us. Thank you so much for your mercy, God. Thank you that you call us ever onwards. And While we sing this song, thank God for his mercy, thank God for his grace, and also allow him to plant new dreams in your heart. Allow him to say... This is what I've got planned for you. And this is my adventure with you. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Yeah, let's sing.